Approximately 45 of the 275 folios of the Book of Ballymote, more than 16%, or almost one-sixth of the manuscript, are devoted to Irish translations or adaptations of Latin works. These texts are placed together at the end of the manuscript and arranged in chronological order. The first is Togol III, the story of the sacking of Troy, which is in the hand of a young scribe called Monos Odivgenoin, just mentioned by Rudy. This is followed by a short text on the wanderings of Ulixes and his return home, Merogodi Ulix Vaklertish. Then follows the text of Imthukta Eniasa, the Irish Aeneid that was edited by Calder and published in 1907. The fourth text relating to Alexander the Great may be called Skela Alexander on the basis of the title in the tail list B, Skela Alexander Vak Philip e Gavail Rige Ogus Imperechte in Dovin, handout one. Togol III is based on Darius's Historia de Exidio Troye, a prose work of just 8,000 words which is generally assigned to the 6th century AD. It is divided into 44 brief chapters by Meister in his edition of 1873. The text of the Book of Ballymote, henceforth B, comprises about 30,000 words and covers the Latin work in its entirety. It is generally close to the 22,000-word text in the 12th century Book of Leinster, L, which lacks the sections corresponding to Meister's chapters 12 and 13 and 24 to, 40 to 44. B also agrees frequently with the Akephalus text in the 14th to 15th century manuscript, TCD H217. This text, henceforth H, comprises about 20,000 words and is missing chapters 1, and 12 and 13. Editions of L and H by Stokes appeared in 1881 and 1884, and an unpublished edition of B by Seamus Bidanoch formed part of a UCG master's thesis completed by him in 1952. Other late texts of the of Total Three have been edited as part of postgraduate theses, but some remain unedited. All known texts of Togol III are descended from a common source, old linguistic features in H, such as the dative plural article Isniv, point to an archetype of the 10th century, as McEwen has suggested. H also contains instances of the nasalizing relative, but it also has modern forms and bears signs of stylistic modernizing. According to McEwen, this text and another of which a fragment is preserved in the late section of the Book of Leinster are descended <clears throat> in the first instance from a 13th century common source and represent to a large degree an 11th century text descended from the archetype. L is descended from a text similar to that of the 11th century from which H is descended. It is frequently close to H but sometimes finds uh, provides better readings where H has been modernized. However, it is generally later in style and language and may be assigned to the later 11th century. A similar passage in both texts, handout two, gives an indication of how they compare and how they may relate to the early 11th century text. They both contain two future forms related to the old Irish compound verb conric, meets, fights, Third plural, conrikfud, is a Middle Irish compound construction, and third singular, uh, or plural, kovrikfud, uh, belongs to the later simple verb, kovrikfud. 
derived from the conjunct of the old compound. For the latter form, the text in UCD manuscript Franciscan A11 has an old compound form, third singular, future conrigfa, which matches the compound form conrigfa than HNL, and which, as McCoyne suggests, may represent an earlier stage of transmission than that reflected in the 11th uh, century text from which H is descended. L and H are close here, but generally they are quite different. If med mor noch in handout two, in the L version of the passage at handout two, is a substitution for H's garv, which is likely. It exemplifies an important distinguishing feature of the style of the author of that version, namely the creation of alliterating adjectival or substantival combinations, where the earlier 11th century text had a single word or non-alliterating combination. Both L and H show how already in the 11th century, Tokel III had grown through the addition of material relating to the history of the Greeks and other peoples and the geography of Asia and Africa. Miles, Myrick, and Popper have commented on these and other additions, such as the labors of Hercules at chapter three and a watchman scene at chapter 19. The allusions in the passage at handout two to Asia and Europe, to the Ethiopians, Thracians, Persians, and Macedonians are an example of material relating to peoples and places added to the Irish version and reflecting what appears to have been a widespread interest in world geography in 11th century Ireland, to which the poem on the geography of the world attributed to Arvartoch Makasha also testifies, and indeed Flan Manistroth's poem on, the, on, the, on world kingship. There are significant differences between the Book of Ballymode text B and H and L. It does not contain the passage at handout two. It also lacks similar geographical references found at other points in L and H that have no parallel in the Historia. And the watchman scene is not found at chapter 19. On the other hand, it contains material which is in the Historia but is lacking in H and L most notably the descriptions of the leading Trojans and Greeks at chapters 12 and 13. Comparing the first com approximately 3,000 words of B and L, one finds a consistent pattern as regards omissions and additions. B begins, handout three, with a prologue on the history of the world from Adam to Saturn MacPollard. This is based partly on sources such as Sexitatis Mundi and is lacking in L. The two texts begin to correspond at the point where L commences, handout four. They both refer to Saturn and the three sons he had with his wife Ops, but B does not contain the passage found in L about how Saturn was warned that a son would be born to his wife, how he had eaten each of his other infant sons, and how this son, Jupiter, was hidden from him for seven years and nurtured by a goat. Words in the L version of the passage at handout four that are lacking in B are typed subscript in handout five. As well as L's story about Saturn and Jupiter, B lacks much of that text's alliteration. A question arises, therefore, regarding differences such as this between the texts. Do they reflect cutting by a later contributor in the B line of transmission? Branoch concludes that B is not descended from L, but is derived independently from a common source. The fact that in handout B, uh, handout five, B reads uh, correct mesrim for L's estrum might be seen as support for his conclusion, 
but further, more convincing evidence will be presented later. Regarding the language of B, in its version of the passage at handouts four and five, it is similar to that of L, but it also includes modern features. These may be attributed to a scribe or scribes from the period in which the manuscript was compiled. For example, the particle the in the quidith and the rin, indicated by bold type. A little later in the episode on Jason and the Golden Fleece, one sees a clearer example of B omitting alliterative material, for example, in the introductory passage at handout six. Now, there are a couple of other differences there, but remembering how long my handout is, I'm going to. The alliterative and, rhythmic, and rhythmical passage which follows in L, handout seven, is not found in B. It describes the building of the Argo and refers, for example, to the kinds of wood used, the preparation of the wood, the making of boards, and the sounds of the tradesmen at work. Uh, this is not in the Historia, of course. Bidanoch mentions this uh, passage specifically when referring to Pilsi Bilga Ita Hallis of us LL, Nahwiller Fawiligyanar Bid and Yaganacha Oga. In his view, Fogo Erlariad, Margaret the Ro Ordnosoch, Agus Gura and Yumurka Uime Sachanch. Too much alliteration in the exemplar. Bearing in mind his view that B is descended independently of L from a common source, it is possible that that earlier text did not contain this alliterative showpiece, and that it was inserted by an alliteration specialist at a point in the L line of transmission, after which the B line breaks away. And now moving to handout nine. In the passage from L at handout nine, Intermittent convergence of L and B in wording and phraseology is indicated by bold type. Again, alliterative combinations can be seen not to be paralleled in B, but both texts tell the same story in largely the same sequence. Looking more closely at this passage, one sees in handout 10, in the section on the garments, and the weapons assembled for the Argonauts journey, that while L and B refer to the same items to be carried on board and have alliterating adjectives to describe them, the adjectives do not match, which shows how improvisation and change were factors in the development of the text during transmission. B's alliterative combinations are less compact than those of L, and it lacks the adjective anvoil, A-N-F-O for the I-L-L, line two of the full passage in handout nine which is a hallmark of the contribution of the L redactor. He uses it about 10 times in the text. It's not in B at all. If B is descended from a common source independently of L, it may therefore preserve a more reliable representation of the common, so of the common source's version of this passage that bypasses the alliterative makeover reflected in L. However, differences in usage in the B version of the passage at handout nine reflect late deviation from the common source. For example, in the phrase Nyertid XM uh, at handout 11. An important difference in the B version of the passage at handout nine is that it lacks the section referring to the gods, the sacrifices offered to them by the Argonauts, their temples, and so on. And the reference to the goddess daughter of Terra, who goes to spread the fame of the Argo elsewhere. 
handout 12. B has only a short sentence for L's alliterative passage, handout 13, which immediately follows the passage at handout 9 and describes how the Argonauts rode so rapidly that the ship created giant waves and steep cliffs of water in the Hellespont. The LMB versions of the passage on how Laomedon refused to allow the Argo to land in Phrygia and the loss of the boy Hylas, who immediately, which immediately follows, agreed to a large extent, handout 14. But again, alliterative and rhythmical material in L is absent in B, as well as a short section referring to the dedication to idols of the place where the boy was lost and the offering of sacrifices to the gods. However, a slightly earlier sentence in which Hercules and the Argonauts are stated to have said that the goddesses took the boy is in B, handout 15. Where the two versions correspond in this passage, one sees typical evidence of B being the result of updating in style and language. The correspondences at handout 16 show how the B forms in bold type are more familiar modernizations or corruptions of the uh, parallel readings in L. But variant versions in B of sentences in L, for example, that cited at handout 15, contain old features which one associates with Middle Irish rather than early modern Irish. Further examples are given at handout 18. As one moves further on through B, one finds again and again evidence of its alignment with L, albeit with differences pointing to independent descent from a common source or late modifications. Taking text HH into consideration now, one frequently finds readings in B supported by that text against L, which again points to B's descent from a common source independently of L. A cluster of instances occurs at chapters 15 and 16. For example, handout 20, L omits a passage indicating that the Greeks split their forces for the first attack on Troy, leaving an attachment to protect their uh, ships while the main force went to attack Troy. H and B are supported by the Historia. In the following passage from chapter 15, handout 21, B and L this time are supported by the Latin text against H. For B's Thorargit, uh, for in Concilium Vocat, one should read Thorargit, which might reflect the archetype, although that text might also have read L's Conagartha, while H's Rotochudid is clearly a late substitution. Similarly, for B's Rovolsother, one should read Rovolosther, singular Rovolosther, as in L, and translating Latin conlaudat, which is not paralleled in H. But for the Historia's reference to Agamemnon's exhortation to avenge the wrongs suffered by the Greeks, ut quam primum injurias suas defendant, only B has a parallel and represents the archetype. L ends at chapter 24, so that now one only has B and H for comparison. At the beginning of chapter 27, handout 22, B refers to a large extent uh, B agrees to a large extent with H. Indeed, it could be said initially to provide a clearer transition, translation. 
It also contains a translation of the sentence Agamem non cum magno uh, comitato ad castra revertitur, for which H has no parallel. One may assume that this was in the archetype. The omission in H is due to the same kind of changes in transmission referred to in relation to L and B, uh, to the L and B traditions. The addition of members of Priam's family to the three uh, mentioned in the Latin and of Makpriyov and Benfriyov in H in those references is another example. A similar instance from the B tradition from the B tradition arises here too. The sentence in the Historia about Agamemnon and Palamides, uh, et egre ferebat ademptum imperium, etc., is paralleled in H, but not in B. A change of another kind reflected in B is the naming of the Trojan servant whom the lovesick Achilles sends to Hecuba as Brogulus, which may be part of a contribution with which one should also connect pseudo-archaisms and other modern features in B, of which some would be presented later. B provides a translation of chapters 12 and 13 of the Historia, in which the physical and personal traits of the leading Trojans and Greeks, male and female, are described, handout 23. It is placed at a point parallel It is placed at a point parallel with the last section of chapter 18, where Priam's allies have arrived in Troy and he has appointed Hector as commander of the army. When it ends, correspondence with El resumes. In passages such as the following from chapter 3, handout 24, B appears to reflect simplification of an earlier version such as that found in H, but nevertheless contains linguistic features one associates with the 11th century. H, which is more clearly 11th century in language, seems to be an expanded version of the common source, while B and L are closer in length to the Historia. B also includes the words uh, the Yendish in Govrlje for a river Erkel, which parallels omnia promiserunt se facturus esse quae Hercules velit which is not in H or B. Thus, B preserves valuable material from the archetype, but as already said, it also bears many signs of late interference. With regard to names, handout 25, Jason's mother is called Dardusilla Ingen Schille, which would look at home in an early modern Irish romantic tale, but so too would Els Torpelandra, the place name Tjener Kerdiv, found earlier is not in L, and uh, earlier still, place names are added for the lands Jason received from Peleus as a reward for securing the Golden Fleece. Names are added particularly in the final chapters, for example, chapter 36, chapters 36 and 41. Classical names are frequently changed or corrupt, for example, chapter 42. B also has late uh, substitutions for older um, verbal uh, forms in L, for example, handout 25, for L's Conagartha, uh, and then Rotosu for Notosu, and so on. Much material is added in chapters 41 and 42. In the latter, 
At the point where the treasures found by the Greeks in Troy are described, one finds material taken from a similar scene in Scylla Alexander, relating to the Persian city of Persepolis after its capture by Alexander the Great, handout 26. This passage is likely to have been borrowed from Scylla Alexander at some time close to the compilation of the Book of Ballymote. It may have been the same person who introduced modern orthographic features and pseudo-archaic forms in B, added or changed names or altered the wording in many uh, passages and introduced corruptions when doing so. It may be they who intervene at several points later in the text to offer what they contend is the correct version of the story. For example, uh, chapters, uh, chapters 34 and 19, handout 27. The second text in this set of works with classical themes relates to the wanderings and return home of Ulysses, Merod Willix Mach Vak Lertzisch, was edited by Kuno Meyer in 1886 and Robert T. Meyer in 1958. As well as B, the Book of Ballymote, uh, in the Book of Ballymote, a text is also found in RIA manuscript D42. Uh, Kuno Meyer remarks on B's general bad spelling but he finds it superior to D42, and his edition and that of Robert T. Meyer are therefore based to a large degree on it. Robert T. Meyer assigns it to the early 12th century, but it might also be assigned on the basis of its orthography, language, and style to the second half of the 12th. One might describe the language as the simplest and latest stage of Middle Irish. B and the text of D42 represent a single recension which is consistent throughout in content and language. There are therefore no signs of late scribal interference in the B text, as in the B text of Thogel III, of additions or comments on historical correctness. Neither editor could identify any work in Latin or any other language that Meadowhuth might be based on, but they agree that it contains faint reminiscences of the Homeric tradition. The story is therefore likely to be of Irish origin and to have been written by someone who knew the story of Odysseus, but not necessarily Homer's Odyssey. It contains a large proportion of well-written dialogue reminiscent of early, modern, of early, of early uh, prose tradition. It is a, a literary work, but it is quite likely that similar stories with themes and characters from classical literature were widely known in the late Middle Irish period. The passage at handout 28 may be considered to be close to the original, and I'm afraid I'll have to pass on from it too, just to stick with the time. The third in the set of translations of classical works in the Book of Ballymote, Imthotha Inyasa, appears likewise not to reflect the kind of interference seen in the B text of Thogel III, but Calder refers to additions from other sources, and it may be that they belong to the to, to later stages of transmission, as in the case of Thogel III. Like Merovod, this long text, very long text, is generally consistent in language and style. Calder was unaware of two other incomplete texts in UCD manuscript Franciscan A11 and King's Inn's manuscript 13. In his view, the treatment of proper names in the B text shows that the work was probably copied, quote, many times after it left the translator's hands, unquote. He also says there is, 
quote, no evidence that the text existed in an earlier form, unquote, and that, quote, there are in the text itself many apparently late and even modern forms, unquote. Comparing him to Thachte Enyose with the Aeneid, he finds it to be, quote, in the main identical, unquote, with it, but with uh, much of the material uh, of the original curtailed. Regarding the date of composition, it is noteworthy that in his comments on additions to the work, he sees similarities with the Divine Comedy and remarks, quote, there seems room for the suggestion of Dante's influence, unquote. In view of this and the reference on the title page of his edition to the Irish work as a translation carried out before 1400, it may be assumed that he considered Imtach the Aeneasa to have been written in the 14th century. But the evidence he refers to, to of many copies having been made since the time of the archetype would point to a longer period of transmission than 80 or 90 years before the time when B was written, and thus an earlier date of composition. Pauli has given careful consideration to the issue of the date and argued in favor of the late 11th to early 12th century handout 29. Although a thorough linguistic analysis has still to be undertaken, and the evidence of the UCD and King's Inn's texts has to be taken into account, there seems to be little doubt, there seems to be little in the orthography or linguistic profile of the B text of Imtach the Aeneas that points convincingly to a date of composition in the 11th century. Passages such as the following, handout 30, which uh, I am uh, going to leave also, are representative of its general style and language, which appear to reflect the mid to late part of the 12th century. Scala Alexander's in, is the fourth of the set of texts under discussion here. It comprises 14,500 words and was edit by, edited by Eric Peters in ZCP. 30. A similar text, edited by Meyer, which is a Kephalus and lacks material midway through, is found in the Jauer Brach, and a fragment corresponding with the last section is preserved in Rawlinson B. 500, uh, 512. Scala Alexander may be divided into three parts. The first begins with general information about the empires of the world and the Macedonians and Greeks. It goes on to describe the career of Philip of Macedonia, how he died, and how Alexander succeeded him and had a, a vision in the Macedonian city of, Di, of Dion, or Dio, in which God told him to invade Asia. It goes on to tell how Alexander defeated Darius and the Persians and took all their treasures in the city of Persepolis, how he marched to Jerusalem, how he surpassed Hercules in achieving a particular feat in India, and how he was ruthless killing Acolytus and Callisthenes. This is mostly taken from the Historiae Adversus Paganus of Paulus Orosius, but the section on uh, Jerusalem is a translation of part of Book 11 of Josephus's Antiquitates Judaicae. Some material was added, for example, descriptions of battle and the speeches by Darius and Alexander. The second part is based largely on the Epistola ad Aristotelum, in which Alexander describes to his teacher Aristotle the wonders he has encountered in Asia, particularly India, 
It is not known who wrote the epistola, but it is believed that Julius Valerius had translated it in the fourth century. He included an expanded version of it in his uh, translation from Greek of the Alex Alexander Romans. At the beginning of this part of the Irish work, the phrase is said the Riothar, this is what is recounted, is used. And it is also uh, it also occurs at the beginning of the third part of the work, which may point to common authorship of the two parts. The second part deals initially with historical events in a similar fashion to the first. References made to the defeat of Darius and on the Ganges in the month of May, and then to the defeat of Porus, king of the Persians and Indians in July, in a battle involving 7,000 horsemen, large numbers of infantry, 800 chariots, and 400 or 600 elephants. There is a detailed description of Porus's house based on the epistola, including references to the kinds of wood uh, used, which recall the aforementioned uh, passage from El, uh, from the El text of Tovel III. The account of the wonders of India follows this. It describes, for example, an island in the middle of a river on which a city is built and in which half-naked people live. Water horses or hippopotamuses eat Alexander's warriors when they enter the river. There are also small round ships in the river with people on board. Alexander refers to the dangers presented by lions, tigers, leopards, lynxes, Indian scorpions, water snakes or crocodiles, Indian serpents, uh, and so on. In one scene, Alexander goes to Porus in disguise and trick tricks him into thinking he is an old man who must stand by the fire to keep himself warm. He meets two old men in Fasiake in India who speak to him about the sun tree and the moon tree in the east of the world, which will tell him how long he will live. Alexander reaches the trees and the sun tree tells him he will not return to Macedonia alive, for he has almost come to the end of his life. The moon tree tells him he will die in Babylon in the month of May. The third part of the work is based, uh, for the most part, on the Collatio Alexandri cum Dindimo uh, Rege uh, Bragmanorum, a work written before the end of the fourth century. It contains letters which Alexander is imagined to have exchanged with Dindimus, the king of the Brahmins, in which Alexander questions Dindimus about the culture of the Brahmins. The book of Ballymote text B, and that found in uh, the Yar Brak, are similar, as the passage at handout 31 shows. Neither text is descended from the other. Underlined words represent superior readings in one or other. For example, Pantheri B23, which is supported by the epistola and is lacking in L, the Snanic B28, thus Negat L25, Oldoid L13. These forms reflecting early Middle Irish usage were in the common source from which the two texts are descended. The incorrect variants indicated by bull type are later substitutes. Other old features in this uh, passage are the nominative plural masculine article in, in, in Vakadondi, uh, L28, uh, or no, L20, and the archaic style of the final sentence, Distrianus, 
Ahanam Mo Uldos Elephant Line L29. The L variant for bees thus nonic, thus phonic, L28, contains a late inorganic F. This and other Middle Irish forms in L, for which B has an older variant, like thus nonic, um, may be viewed as early substitute forms in the L line of transmission, representing a Middle Irish modernization of the original, carried out possibly as early as the 11th century. Other likely examples are at handout 32. B also reflects modernization. In such cases, L frequently pre uh, preserves the common source or archetype, handout 33. The many late spellings in B, handout 34, such as Koverdjige, um, and its many new, and its numerous uh, corruptions. Uh, Peter says it's full of corruptions, reflect late intervention in its line of, transi of transmission. Nevertheless, B contains a larger number of early Middle Irish forms than L, which suggests that it does not reflect modernization in the Middle Irish period of the kind reflected in L which, however, conforms to a greater degree in orthography to Middle Irish usage. B and L appear, therefore, to descend separately from an early Irish source. This is the impression one gets in the case of L from the colophon at the end of the text, in which the scribe says it is a night in May and he's at Clonsast, writing the end of the history, stage of Alexander, from the book of Berchon of Clonsast, Handout 35, Are the Igluin Soste, and so on. It seems likely that this note was written originally in the Middle Irish period and placed at the end of the text, at the point where it is now found in the Yarbrak text, L. Influence on B from a text in the L line of transmission can be seen in the form of glosses which correspond with readings in L. So influence from L on B. Regarding the relationship of Scala Alexander and the Latin sources on which it is based, the following passage from the Epistola, handout 36, which corresponds to the Irish passage cited at handout 31, shows, if we had time to uh, stop and look at it, that they are quite close. Uh, Peters dates the Latin texts used by the author of Scala Alexander to the 9th and 10th centuries. B appears to preserve the language of the original uh, translation to a significant extent. On the basis of the language of L and B, Maya and Peters assigned Scala Alexander to the early Middle Irish period. Peters argues strongly and convincingly in favor of a date in the 10th century. The linguistic evidence of the passage cited at handout 31 supports such a date. Other uh, linguistic features pointing to an early date may now be mentioned briefly. The use of three classes of infixed pronoun in accordance with Old Irish rules, handout 37. Not consistency, consistently, but still there are enough examples to, um, yeah, to, to form important evidence. An instance of the suffix pronoun, of which Liam Branagh cites no instances from the Middle Irish from Middle Irish sources, handout 38. 
the anaphoric pronoun, which falls into disuse in the 10th century, handout 39. This is a favorite archaism of early modern Irish authors, even as late as Taigo Kianoin in the early 17th century. Compound verbs with preverbs like av, con, fo, for, fris, im, etc., which are not common in the 10th century, indeed are very rare in the 10th century, handout 40. The Old Irish first plural, present indicative ending mui, for Middle Irish muid in lien mui, handout 41. And this is as noteworthy as the suffix pronoun just cited. And so too are deponent constructions, such as first uh, plural present indicative, djevnigmar, and old third singular preterite forms like folchigestet, old strong formations such as be, third singular preterite of beneth, kechig from kingith, etc., are not expected after the 10th century. Rodeo Higgins shows that the nasalizing relative clause is in decline in the late 10th century. Liam Bidamach notes no examples in Sultan Iran, but a few instances occur in Toghal 3 in H. Occurrences in B are in at handout 43. The conjunction ara, handout 44, is not expected after the 10th century either. It and two other conjunctions that are in decline, fev and isinji, irsinji in L, occur in Scala Alexander. In relation to comparison of adjectives, handout 45, a couple of instances of the old equative are found. We also find uh, old predicative adjectives, or adjectives, yes, and old forms of the copula, um, and the old numeral kethir, which Liam Bramach says uh, normally survives in Middle Irish only as an independent numeral. Like Middle Irish works such as Sexitatis Mundi and Togol Three. Scala Alexander includes Latin phrases and um, inflected Latin forms in Irish text. To sum up, uh, the book of Ballymote texts of Thoggle III, Merugh the Uwilix, Imthrachta and Scala Alexander are important Middle Irish texts. The B text of Thoggle III is descended independently of the book of Leinster text L uh, uh, and appears to bypass in its descent, the work of the alliterating specialist whose impressive contribution is reflected in L. If this is the case, the common source seems certainly to have been an 11th century text. B contains details from that common source that are supported by the Historia but are not uh, found in either H or L. In the case of shorter passages, there can uh, uh, there can be hardly there can hardly be uh, much doubt that the detail. Uh, preserved in B, reflects the common source. Differences involving longer sections, such as the material paralleling chapters 12 and 13, or the missing watchman scene in chapter 19, may represent later editing in the B line. But one cannot dismiss the possibility at this stage that B reflects, in this respect, an early version corresponding, for example, to the stratum of transmission to which the compound form conrigfa in UCD Franciscan A11 is assigned by McCoy. The Historia appears to have had less impact on transmission after the initial translation was completed in the 11th century. Contributors added historical material and geographical references from various sources on which Miles has written in his recent book. Taking the differences just referred, uh, to um, between B on the one hand and H and L on the other as reflecting later ed 
um, uh, editing would imply, for example, that someone in the 12th or 13th century reverted to the Historia as the principal source to modify his exemplar in accordance with it. The intervener cited at handout 27, and I'm just finished, might have uh, done this, but they seem more interested in mark making their voice heard, like me, on, uh, an issue, uh, on issues of concern to them, like the intervener in L who cites Virgil's comment uh, that Hector uh, was uh, killed by treachery. Very little has been written about Scylla Alexander. One of the most important texts in the book of the Belly Mode is considered by some scholars to be an early modern Irish composition, but very little is known about prose writing in the period 1150 to 1400, and not enough to suggest that a translation from Latin sources in the language of the early Middle Irish period and containing uh, features of the language of the mid 10th century might be composed at that time. A work which is older in language than Sultan Iran and Togol III. If Togol III belongs to the early Middle Irish period, and it clearly does, the balance of probability favours assigning scale Alexander to the 10th century, as Meyer and Peters argued, rather than taking it as a work of the 13th or 14th century in archaic language and style. I'm very grateful to the chairman for his patience. Thank you.